The following podcast may contain adult language and conversations revolving around situations not suitable for immature audiences. Spoilers and general political incorrectness can often be expected, so listener discretion is advised. They must be destroyed on sight! Okay, we're back. They must be destroyed on site. Episode 87. I'm your host, Lee Russell, and I'm joined by my co-host, Daniel Harper. How are you doing, sir? Uh, doing well. Um, I am not playing paintball with explosive rounds tonight. So, you know. <laughs> you got you got no squibs on you anywhere? No. No squibs on me, not today. Um, so uh, we'll we'll see. I'm doing I'm doing pretty well. None of the uh, none of the businesses I own have been um threatened by any uh Foreigners uh, lately. Um, okay. And, uh, certainly, don't, I don't have to rely on Clark Kent-like masculinity of uh, Fabio Testi to come and uh, protect me from uh, terrible people. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's. I think that's always an ideal situation to be in because uh, if you have to join his vigilante gang, it's not going to end well for you. That's <laughs> no, no. But yeah, we're going to be doing. Uh, we're, we're basically starting in on a new uh, crime series, and this is going to be a long one, folks, because we're going straight up to episode ninety nine, and then episode one hundred is going to be our uh, commentary on Night of the Living Dead from nineteen sixty eight. So we're going to be picking and choosing a lot of interesting, different crime stuff. This week, we're only going to be doing one film. We decided to uh, cut one of the films off, and we'll do that next week. But we're going to be doing. The Big Racket, an Italian crime film, uh, Poliziotteschi, sort of the uh, crime film genre that came out of Italy and a little bit of Europe as well uh, in the 1960s. They're sort of set apart from most American crime films because they're ultra-violent. They they give no fucks about, <laughs> about good taste, and uh, they usually have shades of gray in them, like major shades of gray in them. So uh, I think we're actually going to probably do three or four of them in this series because I own quite a few of them anyway, and I planned on doing them at some point. So we're, we're probably going to do a couple of those starting off, and then we're going to move on to some other stuff. But um, we do have a bunch of comments here, and I'll try to get through them as quickly as possible. On our L.A. Confidential episode, C.B. Fall said, uh, it was just an okay movie to me. Excellent podcast. Thank you, sir. And I believe he commented on the podcast that Paul and I did an episode ago on Don't Go in the House and Midnight. Amazingly interesting podcast. And he had four exclamation points and one question mark there. So I. <laughs> so again. The question um, mark, did that come before or after the exclamation points? It came after. So. Uh, okay. I, so, I, amazingly interesting podcast. He's very emphatic about it and then questions slightly. Yeah. You know? Again, I, I am. I'm left a little confused as whether he likes it or if he's changed his mind halfway through. I don't know. Well, yeah, it's it's a for, for me. It's it's always just a question of like I think he keeps commenting just so he keeps saying his name. So well, you know. hey, I'm all right with that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, the more people listen, if you just want to say your name, that's fine. You, you'll you'll get the amazing uh, thrill out of being mentioned by a low level podcast that only like. 80 people listen to so there you go also on our 
LA Confidential episode, Kit Power said, superb show, lads, really enjoyed it. Thank you very much, sir. And I'm going to try to get him on for this series because I, when I was doing his Talking Robocop podcast, we were uh, discussing off-air that he really likes the Untouchables and he likes the Jimmy Cagney uh, White Heat. Yeah, so, I'd love to do White Heat. Yeah, so I, I, we're going we're gonna to try to get him on. I mean, we've got like the next basically two months or more to do the series. So uh, we're going to try it. We'll, we'll definitely work out a date and get him on and do those films. It'll be fun. Another comment from Mike Murphy on our LA confidential episode says excellent episode on an equally excellent picture. So basically our podcast is as good as LA confidential, the movie. I only wish we uh, made as much money as the film LA confidential. <laughs> <laughs> He said, you guys hit on all cylinders during this one. If you do decide to do a crime series in the future, I'd like to recommend a film and talk a topic I've been obsessed with recently, David Fincher's Zodiac. It's an excellent film that's pretty damn accurate to the crimes committed by the serial killer of the same name. Cheers and thanks for this episode. And uh, I did reply to him on the website, but um, yeah, I think we will do Zodiac in this series. Yeah, I'd, 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 I'd be happy. I have complicated feelings about that film, so um, yeah, I would, I would, I would love to do that. Nice, nice. Um, I love that film, so uh, it'll be interesting to, to dip back into. And uh... I've only seen it once, so I mean, it'll it'll be nice to kind of revisit and and kind of see some of the stuff. I, and we shouldn't talk about it until we get to it. Yeah, but, uh, but do you do you own the DVD of that? I don't, but I would. That'd be one I'd be willing to buy for the uh, for the podcast. The the uh, documentary stuff is really good on that, like really really good. Well, let's plan to do a deep dive on that then. So okay, um, I'm I'm down for that. Right on. And Cameron Sullivan put a couple comments on. I'll read them all in one. Uh, would be cool to see you interpret cross genres like sci-fi, neo noir, or experimental films, often dubbed as mind blowing pretentious or confusing perhaps also sci-fi films that fail in most areas yet nowadays are interesting for their ideas which they never capitalized on uh, a la pluto nash johnny mnemonic judge dread and battlefield earth well we did do johnny mnemonic we also did beyond the black rainbow back in the day so that's one of those mind-blowing sci-fi things definitely yeah but uh yeah I'm always open for something like that. I mean, I have to try to think, like, what kind of films kind of fit that? I mean, sci-fi noir is obviously something like Blade Runner. Would fit Blade that. Runner, yeah. Uh, Strange Days. I'd love to do Strange Days sometime. Strange um, Days. That's a film that mean, that meant a lot to me in my teens. And I think uh, I think Dark City kind of fit that bill as well that we did really early on. Um, yeah. yeah, no, no. I, I would definitely be down for doing, for doing uh, a lot more of that stuff. Yeah. No, I'm down. Give us yeah. some titles. I, I don't know if we're going to do Pluto Nash, though. Just, just saying. Pluto Nash. The only good, nice thing I'll say about that is it does have Rosario Dawson in it. So ah, well, there you go. <laughs> that, that's 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 the reason to watch it right there. Yeah, but the original Judge Dread, maybe the the other one, Dread, that came out a few years ago was actually really good. But uh... <clears throat> it, might, it might be interesting to watch them both. Yeah, compare them. Yeah, and bad, or the and two bad. the two total recalls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, Battlefield Earth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think we could have some fun with Battlefield Earth. I think it'd be fun to do Battlefield Earth with the... Uh, have you seen the new um, Louis Theroux Scientology movie that's uh, that he's being made? It's just called My Scientology Movie. Uh, no. It's a, uh, 
yeah, no, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a film where it basically he starts off doing a documentary and Louis was this guy who was kind of, he did the show called Louis Thoreau's wild weekends for a while. It was in uh, Britain and he was, um, so he'd go off and he'd go to like UFO conventions and that kind of stuff. And then oh, yeah. he kind of lends in to start doing like, he actually like interviewed and like did a full length documentary about the uh, people in the Westboro Baptist church. He did one where he followed around a bunch of Nazis, like literal like neo-Nazis in the United States. Oh. He's a really, really interesting interviewer. <laughs> and now he's made this documentary, this full length documentary where he starts off looking at Scientology. And I think the Scientologists started coming after him at a certain point, And then he started documenting that procedure. And it looks to be this very surreal mind trippy kind of thing, which could be really, um, stupid depending on how it comes across and how it's executed but i have faith in louis thoreau to kind of turn it into something interesting so anyway i've just been seeing ads for that and i've been really interested in seeing that and i think it might be interesting to actually just pair that with battlefield earth or we okay. could do the master if you just want to or, the, or uh what about uh what's that one going clear I oh yeah that documentary i, I yeah. have not seen that i've been wanting to though so yeah we could do two scientology documentaries and then, like, just garble our, our uh, names when we, when we do. Yeah, because, I mean, even small fries like us, like, literally you could get Scientologists going after us. If if there's one thing that would really put this podcast on the map, I think it would be to be the smallest people that these Scientologists have got after. <laughs> even that shitty little podcast, man. Yeah, that would be interesting because I, I actually do. I think I do know the smallest person that Scientologists ever went after. There's there's a guy uh, that I this I'm just sort of acquainted with on the internet. He's sort of in the uh, great debate community in in on YouTube between you know sure. like Christianity and atheism and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's just this nice guy in Texas who uh, did a bunch of debunking videos on Scientology and all their bullshit. And they actually went after him pretty hard for quite a while. So. It's not Aaron Ra, is it? No, it's not Aaron Ra. It's it's just this other guy. He he's not famous like Aaron Ra. He's just a yeah. regular I, I, Joe. I used to uh, correspond with Aaron Ra back in the uh, Talk Origins days in like 2003. So that shows you how long I've been involved in some of this stuff. Anyway, we're not talking about movies at all anymore. But yeah, no, I totally do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, going clear in the uh, Scientology movie at some point. Yeah, we'll keep That's that on what we're asked to do. But I totally yeah. do that. Yeah, we'll keep that on the back burner there, uh, Cameron. Thank you very much. That, that actually would be pretty good, I think. Yeah, so I guess we can get into anything we've watched in the last little while. And I I know you, you watched something that you were going, were going to do an intermission episode on, but then you failed and failed the podcast. I, failed, I, don't, I don't even I, know why I pay you, Daniel. Yeah, yeah, I, you, I failed you. And then I thought partly because I just didn't take the time to sit down and record it and partly because I decided I'd rather just chat about it with you. And then we ended up doing just one film, so we have a little bit of extra time. Um, I did see something else though, I did want to mention just before we uh, get into that. Sure. Um, that's okay. My wife and I went to see the new movie Hidden Figures, which is the story of the black women who were um, kind of behind the scenes doing a lot of the math for the uh, space program in the uh, Mercury years. Oh, yeah. It's kind of one of those big Oscar Beatty kind of films that's, that's sort of out right now. Um, as those kind of Oscar Beatty films go, it's actually pretty good. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's got some really great performances in it. Entertaining, you know, to the degree that these things are ever, you know, kind of accurate to history. Um, from what I'm reading, it actually is pretty accurate to history. It kind of simplifies things and turns it into, you know, one person kind of did a whole bunch of stuff that, you know, a team was doing. But also um, really kind of gets the tone of the mood, of the of the era correct. And there's a, lot, there's a lot of really accurate stuff. It would be really interesting to pair that up with um, the right stuff. 
because oh, yeah. it's sort of this is sort of the story of what was going on behind the scenes of the stuff that's going on in the right stuff in a lot of ways. Behind behind the scenes of the gung ho Americanism kind of. Yeah. I mean, stuff. John Glenn is a character in the film, and I mean, it is kind of like because he just died not. I mean, just a couple of months ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. But John Glenn is a character in the film, and you, I mean, he's such like that like photogenic, telegenic, like two thumbs up kind of you know all American boy. He actually is portrayed as a, a pretty decent guy, just kind of a. A, a camera hog, you know, sort of, right. sort of thing. He he has kind of a, a really nice moment in the film as well, but I would definitely recommend the film. It's worth visiting. You know, I have a, I have a soft spot for movies that are about math anyway, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, and kind of about scientists and engineers and stuff. And uh, I briefly worked at NASA um, about 10 years ago. So it is kind of one of those uh, kind of, you know, I, I, it was always going to be a movie that just kind of touched me in the ways that I liked it. Um, but uh, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's, uh, it's worth checking out. It's cool. not nearly as, as stuffy as it might look or as kind of, you know, hero worshipy as it might look, you know. Oh yeah. Um, it, it's it's fun, it's goofy, it's not gonna change your life, but it's it's worth a it's worth a visit, you know. Hmm. And Kevin Costner is back in his uh looking like a bespectacled nerdy um little western guy in, in the sixties. Oh yeah. Um, so if you if you kinda miss Kevin Costner's uh, period pieces, um he's he's quite good in the film. Hmm. So so check it out if you're so inclined. Right on. The other film that I think we were going to talk about was, and the one that I was going to record on, was um, I did get to see I Am Not a Serial Killer. Um, on your recommendation, it was on Netflix. Um, <laughs> I actually watched the first about third of it twice because the first time I sat down, it was late at night. I had a couple of beers already, and I just sort of got too wasted to continue. <laughs> I realized yeah. it was a really great film, and I needed to um, rewatch it. So and then the next time I... Uh, I kind of put it on like a week later, and um, my wife kind of watched uh, watched it with me. We both had a really nice time with the film. I think for me, the first um, the first thing that I noticed was uh, that's fucking Max Records yeah. is the lead, who we might remember from uh, Where the Wild Things Are. He was right. he was the kid in that. I honestly I recognized his name before I recognized. Him, yeah, he's changed a little bit, yeah. I mean, you know, he's just, you know, kid actors, you don't really necessarily process it. Oh, it's some guy. Max Records, oh, my brain remembered Okay, that's that's the kid from where the wild things are. You know, you'll say, "Wow, he's he's really fucking good at this." Like, I mean, mm-hmm. you really buy him. It's there's a there's a bit of a three act structure where you know the first like twenty thirty minutes are kind of introducing this kid and his world and this kind of psychology he's he's undergoing, and then you get into a sort of um, so spoilers are going to happen. By the yeah. way, for anybody listening, the uh, middle part kind of you uh, he realizes that his neighbor is the serial killer. He kind of follows him around, and it becomes kind of a cat and mouse game. And then in the last 10 minutes, it kind of falls apart for me to a large degree. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you get this, it turns out that the serial killer is some kind of demon or alien or something. And, you know, it gets into this kind of deeply supernatural thing. It's not really explained, which doesn't have to be. But to me, it kind of like the first third I was really down with because it's just kind of a character study of this kid. And then the kind of cat and mouse stuff, I'm like, okay, this is good. Christopher Lloyd is being amazing in this i think he's 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 great in this film really appreciated that it was still kind of going along with okay this is just the sort of plot mechanic and then when we get to that last few minutes i think the movie just kind of completely lost me and that and and to the degree that i actually downgraded the film overall in my just because oh, well, that's the way you decided to end this mm-hmm. and i was wondering how you how you feel about that ending i didn't feel too bad about it like i kind of think there's going to be a sequel to this Okay. Um, th- this is based on a series of books, mm-hmm. so 
Uh, I get a feeling there will be a sequel at some point. I didn't dislike it as much. Like, I, I do agree that it should have probably been a bit more satisfactory in kind of exploring his character and where his character is going in the future. Like, it just kind of... It just become, becomes a monster movie kind of thing at the end where it's like, oh, catch the alien demon serial killer monster thing that's just kind of out of left field almost for half the movie it just kind of keeps you in the dark and what quite is wrong like he's not a normal serial killer or something weird is going on here and then it just kind of throws it all at you at the end of the movie i really loved it as this kind of a really moody tonal kind of thing like just i really appreciated the the atmosphere i thought oh yeah I thought it just worked overall as a film, almost just based on that alone and the performances, the strength of the performances. I agree the story is a little weak and it doesn't conclude in a very satisfactory way in a lot of ways. Kind of, I guess I'm kind of optimistic that there's going to be a sequel and we'll get more into his character as it goes. Sure. So Yeah, I, I guess the idea, because for me, I think the, the supernatural stuff just completely blindsided me. Mm-hmm. Like I was just kind of processing it as you know the Christopher Lloyd character is this sort of super serial killer guy. I mean, something somebody like the BTK killer or something, who, right? You know, just killed and killed and killed, and it was able to just hide him, hide that well, and he just moved around enough to just be you know completely um, has a very X Files vibe to it. Yeah, I mean, it does have. I mean, I guess, I guess for me, it's sort of like it's, and I, and I definitely agree with you about the the mood of the thing and the and the tone of it and the way that it's it's um, it just looks and feels. I, I really love. I really kind of love any movie that looks like it's set in like a shitty little <laughs> suburb that's covered in snow. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a like dank, depressing little icy film, but not in a way that's. You know, that's precious about it. It yeah. really, I mean, it feels very lived in. I really love the way that the, and even at the end, I mean, it still kind of has that lived in feel. Yeah. Um, and it really goes a long way to kind of selling the verisimilitude. I'm, I'm definitely down with all that. I think it's, it's, it's excellent on that regard. Um, I guess for me, it's just sort of like when you, when you do kind of play that, you know, when you play the demon card at the end, I suddenly think, oh, there's some metaphor I'm supposed to have been reaching for all this time. And it, and it feels like a little bit of a cheat. But you're right, maybe if they're going to make sequels and it kind of moves on and kind of does something else with this, maybe, it, maybe it'll make a little bit more sense down the line. Yeah, and I, I think there was a little bit, like maybe they didn't flesh it out too well, but sort of the idea that the monster, whatever it's supposed to be, whether a demon or a person who changed into a demon or an alien or whatever the fuck... It, it's basically just using Christopher Lloyd's form all this time. Like it, it's it's a killer that jumps identities every right. once in a while, right? I just sort of got the idea that there's this sort of comparing the killer to this kid who potentially could be a killer because he's you know he hits so many he he basically just hits so many alarms on the sociopath mm-hmm. kind of scale, right? And the idea that trying to resist your nature and whether you can or not and there is a little bit about the weariness and the uh compulsion that christopher lloyd's character has for what he does and how he's been trying to like settle into like a real life and how he has this secret life i mean it could have been easily just as done just as well with him just being a human serial killer so yeah no i mean i guess i guess that's what i'm saying is like all that stuff about the kind of the dichotomy and this thing that's in you or this kind of compulsion that you have or this kind of willing, even this willingness that you have just to, just to kill people, whatever that character stuff is really interesting when, you know, it's like, well, it turns out that it's really just a, a demon that's living inside of Christopher Lloyd's mm-hmm. skin. Suddenly it's like, Oh, so this didn't really have anything to do with all that at all. You know, it's sort of, unless you want to view it as some sort of, I'm, 
it reminds me a little bit um the Dexter books um mm-hmm. the, the the Showtime series is kind of was based on a series by Jeff Lindsay. I read the first three of those, and the first one is sort of like very. It's so much the first season of the show. I only watched the first season of the show, so um, yeah. but the show goes off in a different direction. But the first book is kind of it just kind of follows Dexter, and it kind of tells the story of this kind of offbeat serial killer who only kills other serial killers kind of guy. The second one gets a little bit more like kind of um, straight up horror, and kind of goes more kind of torture porny, and there there's some there's some really good like gory kind of sequences in it. And the third book, it goes straight up. <laughs> It goes straight up. Um, it turns out that there actually are demons possessing serial killers, and this like mm. thing that because he's always been saying Dexter is, is they're told through Dexter's viewpoint. It's it's a first person narrative, mm-hmm. and he says, "Oh, the dark passenger tells me to do things," and you always kind of see that as a, a metaphor for like this thing. And then it turns out, no, the dark passenger is a real like being, yeah. <laughs> and it's a demon that's like riding around in his head, and then. Um, he starts the dark passenger starts to recognize other dark passengers and other people and that sort of thing. It becomes straightforwardly supernatural in the third book. And I yeah. get that Lindsay is trying to like parody other um, kinds of novels like this. So because there is this sort of humor aspect to it as well. And this kind of black comedy, but it also kind of like completely lost me at that point because it's no longer about this interesting character. It's about this, you know, guy who's possessed by demons, you know. Yeah. And I kinda I kinda got that feeling from the from the end where it's like, oh, if it's if it's this all along, then that's a really interesting story, but that isn't the story we've been telling, you know. And so it feels like a little bit of a cheat. Um, yeah, well, uh I guess I liked it a little bit more than you did, but I mean for a lot of the same reasons you had, I that's basically why it sort of hit my honorable mentions instead of my best of list for last year. So, oh, it's it's an excellent film, and even though I've just like spoiled the ending, I would highly recommend people people see it. I think it's really really worth seeing. I still think it's a really good film, but that first thirty minutes was kind of giving me like, oh, this really would go on my like top ten list. And um, mm-hmm. by the end, I was kind of like, no, nah, no, it's not, it's not. It, it didn't quite live up to that. But if there's going to be a really good sequel, I'm totally interested in seeing. Yeah, same here. Anything else? Oh. I've been uh, rewatching. I've been. I've mentioned this um, series uh, a couple of times on the show, but I highly recommend it. And if you're an Amazon Prime member, you can watch it whenever you want. And that is the show Justified with uh, mm-hmm. Timothy Oliphant and um, somebody that we know from our Euro Trip episode, <laughs> um, the guy who played the uh, the best friend in Euro Trip. That that kid, the uh, oh, yeah. where I left my car. He has a uh, kind of a, a, a very prominent role in that series as well. Oh. Um, as a uh, federal agent, but this is a, a really great uh, Elmore Leonard series. Elmore Leonard uh, co-produced it, and it really captures the spirit of the uh, of his novels really well. I think it's got this really nice kind of a crackerjack pulp fictiony kind of um, tone. It's funny, it's mordant, it's violent. A lot of people getting beat to death with baseball bats and that sort of thing. <laughs> season two was probably the best season, but I've been rewatching it. I'm, I'm up to season four again now. Just highly recommend it. If you're, if you're a fan of this show, and particularly if you're a fan of, fan of kind of crime films and crime genre, um, it's, it's definitely worth uh, checking out if you haven't, if you haven't already. It, um, it was on FX back in the day. I think it got a little bit overlooked in a lot of circles. I think a lot of people just kind of missed it completely, but um, definitely worth checking out. Um, it's, it's, better than, it's better than the premise makes it sound. Yeah, that's one I've been wanting to check out. So hopefully, it'll jump on Netflix at some point. If it's... Yeah, it's it's on Amazon right now. Um, I mean, Amazon Prime again. If you have Amazon Prime, you can watch it. No problem. 
Um, I would love to see. I would love to see it a little bit easier, just because Amazon Prime is a little bit pricey. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be, it'd be nice to see it on Netflix or yeah, Hulu or something. Well, I, sh- I should mention a series I've been watching on Netflix that I've been really enjoying. Uh, Hell on Wheels uh, was the AMC uh, series set in the Old West during uh, the building of the railroad across the country. Pretty goddamn good, man. I've been enjoying it. I, I'm up to season four now. Five seasons in total for it. Really great acting across the board. One of my favorite actors, what's his name? Christopher Hyderall, I think his name is. Really great villain in the, in the film, um, as or the series, as the Swede. And it's just, it starts out as this revenge idea, and then it becomes this guy, this guy from the South who owns slaves and lost in his side in the Civil War, you know, faces his demons, faces all the sort of uh, faults in his own character and actually takes up trying to build the railroad. He, he starts to find some purpose in it and uh, really violent, really extreme. It's a show not afraid of killing its characters. I guess that must be something that just what every show does now, basically taking that from, I guess, Game of Thrones and Walking yeah. Dead and that shit. Right. But I really enjoy it. it it's got calm, uh, Mealy or Meanly or however you pronounce his fucking name from Next Generation. Star Trek, yeah. Yeah, he's really great as this villain slash father figure almost to the main guy and just really good. I, I've, I've really, really enjoyed it. It's, it's gone in a lot of different directions. It keeps you guessing all the time and it's worth a watch if you've never seen it. It's streaming on Netflix, so... Yeah, I'll check it out sometime. It. Yeah. Whenever you say there's a show about a, a railroad magnate, I just wonder... Uh, from Once Upon a Time in the West, does he die? His face inches from uh, dirty brackish water. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's how I just imagine that show should end. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. <laughs> a lot of people die pretty bad in this in this film or in the series. Jeez, I keep saying film because it's like a fucking film. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons it only lasted five seasons because the budget was so big. Because it looks like a yeah. film. It looks so good. Yeah. Next thing I'll mention, uh, in honor of uh, Miguel Ferrer, who just passed away a couple weeks ago, I watched The Night Flyer, which is a film probably a lot of people overlook in his career. Most people sort of think, oh, Twin Peaks, Robocop, stuff like that. Night Flyer is a really, really good Stephen King adaptation that sort of flew under the radar, pardon the pun there. Ferrer gets to basically carry the entire film himself, and he has this really excellent, uh, cynical, asshole character who is like a minor character from uh, the Dead Zone uh, novel as mm-hmm. this sort of tabloid journalist. <clears throat> and it, it's great. He's, just, he's hunting this vampire. <laughs> Basically, nice. he, he's, so he's hunting this vampire who has a uh, private uh, pilot's license and flies from small airport to small airport and and drinks blood. So, of course, no one believes him because he's a tabloid journalist. And But he's he might be a tabloid journalist, but he always wants to get the story. So he's hardcore trying to find this vampire and hunt him down. And it's really, really good. And uh, I'm saddened that Miguel Ferrer's dead. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, uh, I saw that, and I just I immediately think RoboCop. I mean, it's obviously a guy whose face I know from, from a bunch of different stuff, but probably RoboCop is kind of the, the big one for me. Um, yeah. I haven't seen the Night Flyer. That we'll have to... <laughs> we're always like, whenever we talk about stuff, so yeah, put it on the list. We'll do it eventually. This yeah. podcast will run for 90 years, and we'll never finish <laughs> all the movies we want to do. But, uh, <laughs> I was also trying to think of, like, because John Hurt just died as well, I was trying to think of well, here's here's some stuff you should check out if you if you haven't watched a lot of John Hurt. And then I realized I looked at his fucking list of credentials and I was oh my fuck, I don't even know where the fucking start. 
for me, it's always 1984 is the thing that I really yeah. like gravitate towards. That for me, that's the one where I think, oh, that's that's the John Hurt role. Although it's real, I mean, the Elephant Man obviously is is yeah. a good one for him. John Hurt is such a fucking amazing. I mean, he was so fucking amazing for for so long. He's got such this. I mean, I I just I forget that he's that he's that guy in some stuff like uh, Hellboy. I, I rewatch Hellboy pretty regularly, and I always forget that's John fucking Hurt. You know? Um, yeah. Um, Jack linked uh, a scene from I Claudius. I forgot that he mm-hmm. was in that. <laughs> <laughs> he was in Doctor Who, mm-hmm. and uh, I completely forget. I mean, he was in. He's this war doctor character and shows up, you know. And uh, he's he's very. I mean, he's very good. It's kind of a stupid thing that exists, but that's a Doctor Who fandom thing that's yeah. not suitable for this podcast. But um, yeah, no, it's it's uh, just an amazing guy. And um, from everything I ever heard, really like a nice guy. Not not I mean, not an asshole or anything. You know, you really don't. I don't remember hearing any stories about about him. That you know, the only, the only thing you hear about is what a incredible lush he was basically and that's yeah, well, but you know that's that's being an actor in the, yeah. know, during that period like they were all fucking alcoholics right right you yeah, know um i mean you can't say i mean he was he was like 77 so it's yeah. not like oh well you know what what a great loss and this is i mean it was a great loss but it you don't he's of that age where you're not necessarily thinking like oh man we we, we could have had like two decades of, of great performances out of him but yeah. um I mean, that was, he was one of those guys who was probably going to work till he dropped dead anyway, like just you know, yeah. nonstop. But uh, it, it's weird. He's he's like one of those guys like Brian Cox, where he's just in everything, and, right. and in everything he's in, he's good. Like he he's never like doing something embarrassing, like maybe Michael Caine would just for a paycheck, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, you you never. I never. I mean, you look at that list, and it's just it's great performance after great performance after great performance, and I mean, you know. He's just he's just that guy. He's a he's a real classy gent, and uh, yeah. the world is a poorer place without him. And yeah. that's kind of all I have to say about that. And the only other thing I, I watched, uh, I'll mention quickly. I watched this film called The Borrower from 1991. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a film that sat on the shelf for a couple years, and it's just a sci-fi horror comedy. And uh, it was done by the same guy who did Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, and it's a nice. lot of fun. It's just a lot of fun. It's just, it, you can see it on YouTube of all places, you know, so uh, if you want to check it out, you can check it out, but it's this alien serial killer who's sentenced to Earth to live out his life as an inferior human being. He's he's basically had his body de-evolved to uh, look like a human, so uh, and of course, that means there, there might be side effects, and the side effect is that every once in a while, his head explodes. So, <laughs> nice. and so, so he basically has to uh, he has to replace his exploded head with a new head, and when he puts the new head on, the new head will like if he if he puts on like a, a black guy's head, then all of his skin will turn black as well. Like he'll, he'll kind of kind of right, take right. take over the identity of that <clears throat> that person, and he'll kind of hear some thoughts from that person in his head. A lot of really good actors in this. Um, the guy who played uh, Huggy Bear in the, that cop show from the seventies, fucking Starsky and Hutch. Yeah, yeah. So he's in that. And he's really good. Tom Towles, who was in the uh, as the white asshole in the Night of Living Dead remake, and did a bunch of genre stuff as well. Just passed away a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's really fun. It it doesn't quite capitalize on its premise as much as I'd love it to, but you know, it's a cheap movie, so what, what can you really do? But it, it's actually a lot of fun. Really good gore effects, and it's kind of funny because it's got that kind of '80s trope of the fish out of water 
story that you saw in a lot of films, like like coming to America and shit like that, you know, where <laughs> there, there's all these funny moments where the aliens basically befriended by uh, homeless people, and there's this like extended sequence where he's like going to like the homeless shelter and and the soup kitchen and stuff like that. There's some good jokes in it, so uh, it's actually worth checking out if if uh, anyone's interested. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> if it's on YouTube, that's definitely uh, one more reason to pop on over there. I thought it'd be easy to easy to get to. Mmm, great coffee. Mmm. Hey. Hmm? Chad, who's that strange, somber man on the cover of that book you're reading? Oh, that's H.P. Lovecraft. Oh, I've heard of him, but I never really got into his stuff. It's kind of strange and hard to read. No, I used to think that, too. But that all changed when I started listening to the H.P. Lovecraft Literary Podcast. What's that? The H.P. Lovecraft Literary Podcast is a weekly podcast. Tell me more. Well, these two really smart and hilarious guys give a synopsis of the story, then they talk about its background, the critical views, and what it says about the author. Well, where can I listen? Well, let me tell you, Chris, you can go to hppodcraft.com or, heck, just subscribe through iTunes. It's that easy. Oh, Chad, I'm so excited. Now I can listen to this podcast and pretend to all my snooty friends that I actually read and understand H.P. Lovecraft. Hey, that's what I do. HPPodcraft.com <laughs> 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 Badasses, Boobs, and Body Counts is a weekly podcast that discusses grindhouse and exploitation cinema. Your three hosts, Mike. It's a quick. <laughs> Thank you. Come again. Not racist at all. Mark. If you bend over and you have what is essentially a pubic cottontail coming out of the crack of your ass, you need to do some goddamn grooming. And listener favorite, Iris. I do not have sex with that horse. <laughs> <laughs> will make you question your own political correctness while laughing at theirs. Episodes drop every Sunday and can be found by searching BB and BC Podcasts via Lipson, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and iHeartRadio. You can also listen to episodes directly from the show's website at badassesboobsandbodycounts.com. Oh, good now. This is Al Pacino. Now, if you don't listen to the They Must Be Destroyed On-Site podcast, you might have a great ass and think you're cocking a walk, but you got your head straight up it. Okay, ferocious, ain't I?
Yeah. So. All right. I guess we move right on to our film for tonight. And we're going to be doing The Big Racket from 1976. Li accuso di far parte del racket che da mesi taglieggia i commercianti. E quali prove? Le prove, maresciallo Palmieri. serio, eh? Gente nuova, affari grandi. Chi sono? Eh, chi sono? Eh, caro mio, eh, milanesi, eh, marsigliesi, siciliani, calabresi, il meglio della fetenzia. Gianni, che fai? Dove vai? Aspettami qua. Poggio, dove vai? Senti, vengo da una gara di tiro al piattello, ho sentito gli spari e sono intervenuto. Grazie della collaborazione. Così ti impari a aiutare i poliziotti, porco! Guarda, guarda! Lei è esonerato dal servizio. Se siete qui a rischiare la pelle perché ognuno di voi ha dei motivi personali ben precisi. A te hanno stuprato la figlia, che si è suicidata. Tu hai la spina dorsale spezzata, sei un rottame ormai. A te hanno violentato e ucciso la moglie. I colpevoli sono gli stessi per tutti noi. Abbiamo uno scopo in comune, la vendetta.
directed by Enzo G. Castellari, probably who's best known for uh, Inglorious Bastards, the original one, of course. And uh, he also did 1990, The Bronx Warriors, and Escape from the Bronx, and the uh, Italian Jaws ripoff, The Last Shark, <laughs> which is <laughs> quite the movie. Also written by Enzo G. Castellari, Massimo Di Rita, Gene Luido, and Ardino Maueri. I don't know. The, the, the only the only Italian I, I, I uh, sort of rehearsed was Poliziotesky. That's the only one I can get done. That's the only one I'm going to be able to pronounce properly. I, 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 my, my favorite thing about doing these Italian films with you is listening to you horrifyingly mispronounce <laughs> everybody's name. Yeah. So it's starring Fabio Testi as Nico, Vincent Gardinia as Pepe, <laughs> Renzo Palmer as Giuliti, Orso Maria... Gurini as Rossetti, Glocco Onoroto as Mazzarelli, Marcella Mitchell, Jesus Christ, as Marcy. <laughs> I'm not even going to try to pronounce that last name. Romano Pupo as Durango. That's kind of a unfortunate name. Pupo is your last name? I hope that's pronounced differently. Antonio Marcina as uh, Giuini, Salvatore Borghese as Vel- Veleski, and Joshua Sinclair is Rudy. Nice American name there. There we go. You want to throw a synopsis our way, Daniel? Before everyone, sure. I did. I did out? not. I did not write one. And I also will say, you know, it's kind of hard to uh, com- complain about the uh, a-, a last name kind of being silly when uh, the lead in this film is is basically named like Fabulous Balls. So yeah. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, the the big racket. This is a film that uh, follows our lead, Fabio Testi, who is a, a cop who plays by his own rules. He's kind of a loose cannon in a way. Um, he's very handsome, looks a lot like uh, Clark Kent slash Superman. And there's a group of uh, foreigners coming into Italy who are uh, shaking down some shop owners and trying to get them um, to, to pay uh, protection money. And then when they don't, they... Uh, break the place up and do all kinds of horrifying things. Um, there are two, not one, but two brutal rapes that occur mm-hmm. <laughs> in the process of this film. There's a lot of gunfire. There are um, two uh, great, um, kind of well, great is a relative term, but there are two pretty intense uh, shootout sequences in the film. Fabio Testi eventually, um, in the process of trying to prosecute these crimes, he uh, gets stripped of his uh, his badge and he has to go off and kind of do his own thing on his own. He collects a bunch of the people who have been victims of these uh, nasty foreigners who have been coming in and causing problems. Basically, they all get together and they just blow everybody up and uh, shoot everybody in the head. And uh, everybody dies except at the end, Fabio Testi is alive. And uh, we end with a screenshot of him screaming. And, yeah, because uh, he's he's broken. He's done. Because he's broken. <laughs> he's done. That's pretty much the film, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's a lot. There's a lot more detail going on in terms of like what's actually happening in the scenes. But I complete. I watched the film twice uh, in preparation, and I kind of lost track of all the details. Uh, yeah, the, over and over again. It, the film was slippery that way. The plot really doesn't matter. Like this is just like a crackerjack kind of like action film. Like it, it just. Yeah. It it doesn't stop. There's a couple slow moments, but I mean, it jumps off them so quickly that they don't become slow moments. It, it's always moving from thing to thing to thing. There's a lot of like narrative where it's a bunch of like guys in suits kind of talking, mm-hmm. and they're clearly trying to. I mean, the, the filmmakers are clearly trying to kind of move the plot forward and give us some idea of kind of what's. But they that really doesn't matter that much. It just kind yeah. of like they talk for a while. 
I mean, this, this happens a lot in these kinds of like crime films and procedurals, and, and particularly a bunch of eighties action, where you just kind of you can just kind of glaze over during those scenes, mm-hmm. and then the action starts back up, and then you're just kind of watching the action again. So sorry, I didn't mean to uh, distract you from the point you were making, but there is a lot of feels like there's a lot happening, and at the same time, there's nothing really happening, you know? Because it's it's just shot so stylized. I, I mean, Casselari is actually a really talented director. I mean, some of his films have not necessarily been the greatest, just mostly due to budget than anything else, yeah. honestly. And, I mean, he really showcases his style here. Like, he, he's really got that sort of uh, Sam Peckinpah slow motion stuff, like, down to a fucking T here. Like, that the, the, that opening where they bust yeah, through yeah. the window, the shop, and then the rock music's playing and everything, like, that works, like, really well, I found. No, no, no. The, 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 um, that opening sequence is Cracker Jack. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's a really great like opening to a film. It is it is hyper violent. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, you know, anytime you can firebomb a van in your yeah. in your like opening title credits, I'm kind of down. Even more impressive, I thought, was the uh, sequence. Fabio Testi gets thrown in a car down a hill, yes. and the kind of spinning car effect. I can, I mean, despite the fact that like, there's no reason that Fabio Testi did not break his neck the first time the car flipped over, <laughs> I completely buy it. Like, I mean, it it, it looks. I mean, oh, it's... I, I too, I too. I watched this twice, and I have no idea how they actually shot that. It, it looks started, great to my it, eye. It does look great, and it apparently, um, if you, if you listen to the commentary on on the on the DVD, uh, the Blue Underground DVD version, this is something that he's kept that Castellarius uh, kept secret for like a long time. He he didn't really reveal how he did it to anybody until uh, he did that commentary. Apparently, but basically, what they did is they they found a a similar car for the inside shots. And they cut the engine block out of it, and they cut the back out of it. So basically, mm-hmm. you're just seeing the middle part of the car, and they stuck it in some sort of cylindrical, like just this big tube that they found, I guess, some big wheel or tube. Yeah. And they and they just, you know, they just turned them. I mean, it's in slow motion, so they don't have to turn them a lot for it yeah. to play out like it does. And they just turned them and re- <coughs> rear projected. On, oh. on, yeah, so I, I mean, mean, it I mean to- it's a simple. I mean, it, I, you kind of get like that's how they would do something like that. But it is. I mean, we're so used to in these films just kind of seeing, oh, the car tumbles, and then we just kind of see the car tumble, and yeah. then, you know, you see the guys kind of crawl out. The fact that we actually get those interior shots, and that there's glass kind of moving around in in parabolic yeah. motion that doesn't look like it's just thrown at the actor or whatever. Like there's there's a again, it's a, it's a really it's almost worth seeing the film just for that scene you know yeah it, it's, it's, it's a really well uh, executed scene there's there's a lot of great um photography and cinematography in this during the sequence where there's a there's a sequence uh, towards the kind of middle where there's a supermarket that gets kind of attacked by right. um the, the racketeers and uh you definitely get a uh, some really nice shots of like you know um you know through this kind of like a pouring sand or pouring rice or beans yeah or beans, yeah you know? There's there's a lot of really interesting shots in this, some some stuff that just kind of it looks cool to look at. Or I guess it's easy nowadays to kind of watch this and just kind of go, yeah, it's, it looks like it's a cheap movie made in the seventies, but it looks way better than a lot of the other stuff that's in this genre. There's some kung fu in the film that looks yeah. probably at least as good as anything in TNT Jackson. So oh uh, oh, it's way better than TNT Jackson. Well, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's not it's probably not quite up to the Cleopatra Jones standard, no, but no, no, way no. better than than TNT Jackson. No, it, it's the uh, it's about as high level Italian stunt fighting as you were going to get in this era. 
I mean, uh, I mean, as much as I love Italian films, if you have to be honest about it, their stunt fighting is basically terrible. It's, it's Captain Kirk level, right? In Star Trek, it's it's that kind of thing. But <laughs> I, I rewatched um, Boogie Nights. That was an, I didn't really want to talk about, it, but I rewatched because Boogie Nights is now on Netflix, so I rewatched yeah. like a big chunk of that the other night. And um, you look at those like the Brock Landers. Um, right. you know, like the, the movies, you know, when you get little, 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 and then, you know, they go, they, they punch him and then the guy like falls like three seconds later and that sort of thing. Yeah. And so that's always my standard for how bad this stuff can look. <laughs> and, um, it, you know, by that standard, this looked pretty good. You know, it's, it's at least, they're at least trying a little bit, you know? Yeah. So. And I, I do appreciate the testes, uh, a partner could actually handle himself. So he, he's not the, ha- he's not the hapless partner who just gets killed off instantly like Dirty Harry would have, right? And and, and and this is very much like a kind of combination of Dirty Harry and Death Wish. Like, it, it's got yeah. those two genres mixed oh, together. No, no. You got... it's, it's very it's very obviously yeah. we're gonna do these... I mean, it's basically Dirty Harry joins forces with a bunch of guys from Death Wish. You know, yeah. a bunch of Charles Bronson's from Death Wish. And that's the final third of the film. You know? Yeah. This film definitely had a squib budget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, uh, they had a certain amount of squibs, and they definitely used them to their best effect when they when they wanted to use them. Like the, the, there's that slow motion in the first uh, gun battle, which goes very badly for the police. Testy takes out three or four bad guys that uh, basically offed his partner, and you have that slow motion uh, shot where uh, that guy's in the foreground, and he he gets like the exit wound squibs. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that looks really good. And then, of course, you have a lot of shots where, hey, we can't afford squibs anymore, so you don't see no blood, but a guy gets machine gunned on the ground, and he's <laughs> fucking... He's just shaking. He's yeah. just doing the, like, flailing limbs. My favorite were... Um, I was kind of making the uh, the paintball joke earlier, and uh, my favorite is, like, when it just looks like they just splatter ketchup on the guy's, like... Yeah, yeah. Up. Those those are um, that's all, those are like all the headshots at the end of the film there where the where yeah. the gangsters in the uh, office get shot in the head and shit yeah yeah no there's there's a lot of that it just it just kind of, I don't know it's just it's sort of thing it just kind of makes me smile just to see like oh yeah I mean you know this is it's it's surprisingly violent oh yeah I mean just kind of sitting down to watch it without kind of researching it ahead of time you know just put it on and there's a lot of like breaking glass and, and that sort of stuff in the beginning. And then once you get to the actual, the actual scenes of where people are getting shot or people are getting kind of beat up and that sort of thing. And it's, it's, it, it's very lurid in the way that it, it, it um, examines that and um, in a positive or negative necessarily way, it just sort of, no, that's it's, what it's doing. You know, it, it pulls, it pulls no punches. Like you mentioned there, there's two very, yeah, I, like, I want to talk na- about the rape sequences to some, I, I think, I think we're, you know, I'm going to have to talk about this. Yeah, no, so. two very nasty rape sequences and they're, they're not necessarily graphic, but well, one of them is slightly more graphic, but I mean, they're, you know, they're done sort of almost off screen in a certain way, but yeah, it's just like they, they come out of nowhere. Like you don't expect it. You're just, right. they, they, in both times they shock. And well, the, the, the first one in particular, I guess we should just dive right into to, mm-hmm. to talking about rape here. So yay, we're talking about rape, by the yay. way. Um, the first one is kind of, I mean, that one really comes out of nowhere where it's just sort of like the girl is being chased and then suddenly they've got her. And then yep. there's the, the one guy who kind of looks like the, uh, the Brad Dordiff. Um, yeah, the, uh, yeah, he's got a little bit of the, um, you know, the sort of uh, the sort of uh, Brad Dorf playing John Denver. It's sort of what the guy <laughs> looks like, um, and uh, just just this, I mean, just this brutal rape sequence. And I mean, it is kind of where where 
we do get a little bit of um it's a little bit from afar it reminded me a little bit of the um that kind of intro sequence from uh clockwork orange where the uh, the other gang is sort of raping that girl um from afar it's not doing the same ironic detachment thing that a clockwork no. orange is but it's definitely kind of it's it's not necessarily wallowing in it as much as it could be but it's it's definitely portraying this i mean this is this is absolutely a, a it's a horrific moment i mean and, and it is kind of it's uncomfortable it's it's especially when you know basically you know we cut to um our our brad dwarf john denver guy's face and then he kind of pulls away and then like the father just walks yeah. into frame um it's a really nice shot but then it's like oh yeah we're just we're not gonna think about this woman who was just brutalized this is really just the man suffering that we're that we're really concerned yeah. with here um, yeah both, both both rapes in it are basically just excuses to push the the two guys who will eventually be part of the vigilante mob over the edge to the point where oh, yeah. they're insane right and, and that's why it's difficult right mm-hmm. because rape is a thing that happens and it's a worthwhile thing to examine in cinema. I'm not going to say it's not, but it becomes a very cheap motivation for someone to be angry or upset or go mad right. or, you know, whatever. And um, this film is not treating this subject with any kind of seriousness at all. There's no real nuance in anything in this film. Like it, it's very much it, like, like, again, it's very much a big kind of action film with big action moments. And, everything is just an excuse to get to the next action moment. It's, it's not exploring character as much as it probably should or could have. I mean, with the uh, sharpshooter guy who's, whose wife gets raped, there yeah. should be a little bit more going on because basically what he did, like helping the cops basically is the reason his, his wife gets raped and then burnt to death and he gets right. left for dead. There, there should be something a bit more going on there other than I'm really mad now. Let's go kill these guys positives are that it it moves really fast it doesn't mm-hmm. it's an hour and 45 minutes long and that's a little bit long for a film of this kind i mean it, i i was really kind of thinking like 85 90 minutes is a, it's a good length for this yeah but at the same time it it is kind of constantly in motion so i don't feel that necessarily yeah, length. um just just watching it that said if you're gonna do this kind of material I mean, it's certainly today we would think you've got to deal with it in some way. You know, yeah. you've, got, you've got to kind of be a little bit more responsible in the way you handle it. Um, then the second rape sequence, I mean, I was definitely thinking Clockwork Orange during that one just because yeah, there is like very a much so. in that. Um, it does, it does kind of, um, it is kind of played a little bit more for a kind of rough eroticism in some complicated ways that we don't need to get into right here. <laughs> um, but not only do they rape the girl, but then. He one of them pisses he on her, on her yeah. and he's done, and they burn her alive. Yeah, which um, you know, let's let's just rub salt in that wound. Why don't we? Yeah, know? I mean, um, uh, Cast- but brutality Cast- is the point, right? I mean, you know, that's yeah. This- I mean, C- Castellari is definitely trying to make you sympathize with Fabio and and his gang of uh, vigilantes at the end as much as possible as well, right? Because I I think. I don't think Castellari was ignorant of what he was doing here. Like, I think he realizes that, yeah, Fabio Testi's not a good cop, and he's right. he's not doing good things, but he has to be the hero of the story for the movie I'm trying to sell. So we got to really amp up the bad guys and make them as bad as fucking possible to uh, to, to to just try to sell this to people, you know. And then yeah. at the end, you can have that one moment where, oh. By the way, Fabio Tessi's a dick, and his life is broken, and he's, and he's insane. <laughs> Fade right. to black. You know? Congratulations. No, 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 let's just watch his angry face during the mm-hmm. like entire 
credit sequence. I think it's worth talking about why people call these films fascist films. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I don't think this is the film. I want to talk about Straw Dogs one day, which I think is uh-huh. a much clearer example of this. But um, this is a film, it's, it's all about the setup, right? Where there are innocent shop owners who are being accosted and, and shaken down and, and violently um, attacked by foreigners who have come in. Right. I mean, they're explicitly marked as foreigners. And they look a little bit like hippies, particularly when you have the, uh, the girl gang member who, who's, mm-hmm. who, who seems very much kind of like that 70s flower child kind of hippie girl a little bit. Um, liberated woman who has used her liberation to come and, you know, she's, uh, hold a man down while his wife is raped by like five she, people. She's very much, I think she's very much coded as like a Manson family member, like one of the female Manson members, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, it, it is sort of like, okay, so there's this outside threat that's coming in. And not only do we need our, our manly man, our manly male hero to come in, not only do we need him to be like a super cop, but he's opposed even by the, the other cops, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we need this like authoritarian guy who's just going to come in and take care of business. And you know, as a as a film taken in isolation, you can kind of go, okay, it's 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 meant to be. Okay, these are bad guys. We want to see a good guy kind of triumph over them. It's when we see this over and over and over again, and when this it becomes like built into our. I mean, and this is what this is what cop movies do, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is this is a formula we see over and over and over again. It's like when we talk about the uh, the sex comedies, and there's just rape all through these things, yeah. you know. And it's like, okay, any one example, you can kind of go, well, it's just a movie. But then when you see it over and over and over again, it becomes this sort of enforcing this ideology about there are terrible people out there. The cops are here to protect you. And even they are going to be kind of feckless unless you have this guy that we just let disobey all the rules and and, and just blow these guys away, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's weird because I don't think I don't think Castellari considered that because we covered this a little bit when we were doing uh, the Spaghetti Western series. A lot of the directors who sort of came out of this era were died in the wool communists and, yeah. you know, like anti-fascist, right? But then they ended up making a lot of movies in the subsequent 10 to 20 years afterwards that did have this sort of fascist bent to it where the heroes were, you know, breaking the law. And a lot of the times I think maybe they weren't considering what they were actually putting in their films to a certain degree because I think they were more interested in trying to put light on the of the, the establishment being corrupt Right, right. Uh, a, a lot of these films deal with that. Like the other film we're going to do next week, Revolver, really digs deep into that of the, like the corruption. Yeah, of- that one I was I was interested. In, I mean, I'm glad we're kind of discussing them separately just to kind of give it give it a little bit more mm-hmm. room. But I think next week we'll talk a lot more about. But but I mean, I think in a lot of ways, and again, we'll dig into this next week. Revolver um, kind of comes on the opposite side of this question. Yeah. Because even though we kind of see um, Testy's character broken at the end, I mean, we're still kind of seeing him as a, as a fairly unambiguous. Like, he's done this to himself. He's done this. But but ultimately, we see, okay, well, all the bad guys are dead, and so isn't that isn't that a great thing? His actions may not be heroic, but we kind of see him as a heroic figure regardless. They, they really lay it on thick, don't they? Because they, they, they make the point of that when they're waiting in the warehouse for the gang to come, all of a sudden, it's a big meetup with every crime boss in the country. All of a sudden, right. like, oh, here's this guy. He's hit of the rackets. He's the Manila connection. He's this guy. He's that guy. It's like, holy shit, every crime figure in Italy all of a sudden is in this fucking warehouse, and they're going to kill every one of them. 
So right. it, it's it's kind of like a well, this is justified. Who who for, forget the fact that Fabio Testi's a fascist? Who cares? <laughs> right, right. Well, and that all these. I mean, in the idea that like what we really need to do is take the like middle class establishment dudes who are just really pissed off and just hand them high power weaponry. Yeah, and like they're just gonna take care of business and kill <laughs> all the fucking who are really just controlled by mob bosses to begin with. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, that that's the sort of thing you get when you pretend you can make a political art, right? You know, yeah. when you're kind of like, oh no, this is, this is just kind of a story about like bad guys. But your bad guys have to have some kind of cultural context that they exist in, you know? Right. And I think it's, I think it's very indicative of just the kinds of, the kinds of things that Italian audiences and then, you know, kind of worldwide audiences just wanted to see from this kind of picture at that point, you know? One day we'll do a series on 80s action, and this is just all over 80s action. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. It's ridiculous how often Reagan-era action just turns into, you know. Oh, yeah. We just, yeah. just suck the cock of the guy with the biggest pecs in the room. And that's oh, yeah, the you, get, we, you, get film, you get films like, uh, like Cobra, like Stallone's Cobra. Which just is like <laughs> I, I haven't seen that in twenty five years. I was I was probably like twelve years old when I saw that film. So uh, yeah, we need to uh, we need to definitely cover some eighties action at some point. Um, Commando, yeah. like talk about fucking Commando, man. Yeah, you know? um, that's on Netflix right now. I think. Oh, is it? Oh well. Yeah. <laughs> can we call that a crime film and just do that? Uh, I don't think we can do. I don't think we can Damn. quite do that. There's but... a kidnapping. There's a kidnapping. Yeah, but guy John Matrix in that film. God. Hey, let's let's look at it this way. It's probably going to be in Netflix for like four or five months, so we'll be able to grab sure. it. We'll, yeah. we'll figure it out. Yeah, it's fine. yeah. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, as much as there are like a little bit of issues here with if you if you dig too deep into it, you know, story wise and shit like that, like yeah, Fabiotesti's a fascist and all this shit. On the surface, I think this works as a great fucking action film. I think it's really well done. It's it's pretty much expertly directed. It moves at a really fast pace. I really enjoyed it. Like this is one of my favorite ones that I go back to every time as far as Poliziotesky kind of films go. Yeah. This is kind of like the high end of the violent ones as well. Yeah. <laughs> There's just blood everywhere in this fucking film. <laughs> it reminded me a little bit of um what was it Night Train Murders? That we mm-hmm. uh, that we did in terms of the way it kind of approaches some of its lurid subject matter. Right. In the way that it's kind of about I don't know. I, I wish there was a little bit more psychology. I wish the film gave us a little bit, a little bit less of kind of like dudes in suits talking at each other for no reason. And yeah, because they, they had the time for it, right? I mean, like yeah, like I you mean, said, it it's a hundred and you know. I wish uh, we, I wish we focused on like three dudes, you know, like like mm-hmm. Fabio Testi's yeah. character. I wish we got a little bit more with him. I wish that we had like really delved into some of that psychology, which again, right. <laughs> when we talk about revolver, um, it kind of solves a lot of those problems. I, yeah. I watched revolver first and then watch this, which probably affects my, my viewing um, pleasure a little bit of this. I think it's a good film. I think it's again, if you kind of overlook some of the, some of the politics of kind of what it's, what it's saying, I think it's worth seeing and you can, you can uh, kind of and not be bothered by the, by the brutal rape sequences. It's a, it's fun on that level and it's very well made. I mean, for a film yeah. of this genre in this time period, it's very, very well made. I don't know. This is one I'm going to revisit anytime soon. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, you know, it's kind of, I've, I've seen it twice. I'm kind of done with it. It's definitely one of the better ones that I've seen from this era in this sort of genre. And uh, so if you're a fan of that, it, it kind of reminds me, I mean, Giallo, we think Giallo and, it, and it's kind of more horror, but this is sort of like a, a crime version of a Giallo in a lot of ways, you know? Yeah, sort of, yeah. It, it, it's um, definitely as bloody. 
It's 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 got the blood. It's got this kind of dark gray morality. It's got this sort of yeah. Um, it's got the it's got the sort of lurid sexuality it, it and stuff feels, underlining it. Yeah, it's it feels very much like like a film that uh, like a kind of pulp fiction, like a like a sort of uh, lurid crime film, a right. Crime crime book, you know, something that you sit and read in a couple of hours, but it, it's just a you know it's just a film version of that. So yeah. um yeah, I mean it moves, it's efficient. I don't know. I just, I just kind of, uh, I'm done with it. <laughs> but, uh, but it's <laughs> no, that's fair. What's checking out? What's checking out? I will mention that the uh, shop owner's daughter who gets raped was actually uh, Castellari's daughter. That he, that, so that that becomes more weird all of a sudden. That 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 goes into uh, Dario Argento uh, level of weirdness, where you know he'd have uh, Ozzy Argento basically spreading her butt cheeks on camera for his films. So that you know, it's sort of in the, that sort of same level. <laughs> like, hey, I'm going to make a movie where my daughter gets raped and she eventually takes her life because she's so shamed for being raped. Well, and then, so that's the that's the first rape sequence, then, right? Yeah, that's the first one. Yeah. So, so that's the one where they don't actually. Stri- but maybe that explains why they're uh, that, that one's shot in a little yeah. bit less of a lurid way. That's why they had to have two rape sequences because, like, that was the taste fucking daughter. You know, <laughs> that, was, that was the tasteful rape sequence. That one. Yeah, that yeah, was no. that was the, that was the one that was in good taste. But uh, Castellari himself actually plays a shop owner, gets roughed up. He's the one who gets like the whole gang walks into a shop and beats him up, and he tries to pull his gun on them and they they beat him up oh nice and then testy comes in and is like are these guys roughing you up and he's like no you know so <laughs> right. so th- th- that was that was that he usually shoots his films in english but he actually shot this one for for italian language and dubbed english later apparently um i guess even fabio testi who didn't speak any english at all had problems so they kind of geared it around him kind of interesting like testi is he's kind of the brad pitt to franco nero's george clooney if you kind of you know kind of compare and testi kind of his star kind of fell after a few few decades and franco nero was still like well known worldwide kind of a shame i i I think testi's really fucking good in this like i i think he's a really good actor I mean, I keep, I kind of, I kind of make the uh, Clark Kent Superman kind of thing, but mm-hmm. I mean, he really does have that same kind of like, you know, steely blue eyed kind of look to him. Right. I've, I've liked him. I mean, again, a little bit of a spoiler for what we're going to do next week, but I, I like him a lot in Revolver. I like him a lot in this. For the Apocalypse was a film yeah. that I really enjoyed. He's, he's. I mean, I would. I'm definitely a Fabio Testi fan at this point. Really, uh, really like his performance. I, I think he's uh, compellingly watchable in a way that you don't necessarily kind of think. You don't necessarily think that this role demands that, you know, just because it is it is a little bit kind of straightforward. But he's mm-hmm. he's our locomotive for the film. I will say that one of the things that I uh, admire the most about him is is uh, his ability to kind of insert a humanity behind those eyes, and his ability to kind of like give give us that. He is this very handsome man, and it would be easy to kind of coast on you know, just kind of charm. Right. But he's not, he's not particularly charming. I mean, it's really, he's just, he's just really able to kind of turn on a little bit when he needs to, just to keep us on this guy's side. And I think that that's, I mean, again, one of the like difficult things is, yeah, you watch a film like this and it's like, yeah, I mean, he's doing these terrible things, but I like him. He's, you know, of course he, you know, like what, what are you supposed to do? You know? No, he's, he's got good moments. Like, Right after he gets in the hospital, after being pushed uh, over the cliff in the car, he's really good there where he's just, you know, you can see him all banged up and shit. And like that part of the movie, he's frustrated because he can't do anything. 
Um, One of my favorite acting moments is him um, trying to take that cast off. Right. <laughs> and, yeah, because it's very, like, he's very clearly, like, struggling with it. Yeah. And um, I was just, and plus, then you kind of, like, go back and you realize he just did that entire, like, martial arts sequence with a broken arm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah great job, man. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I also like, uh, after the uh, the first big gunfight, uh, the one where the cops lost, he, he meets the sharpshooter and shakes his hand and says, thank you, and all that shit, but you can see he's just totally deflated and defeated. Like, yeah, it's like, Oh, I guess I'll have to talk to you later. And he walks right off. Like, it's just like no fanfare, nothing. He's just totally defeated. He knows it's like, I fucked up. This is fucked up. And I'm going to have to go a different direction. If I'm going to have to get these guys. What do you think of our uh, smarmy villain in this? Oh, um, I think it's, is it Rudy? Joshua Sinclair, I think is Rudy. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I was this, like creepy Euro trash douchebag. You know? I, was, I was confused. I was confused, but yeah, he's he's interesting because he's just this kind of uh, well, well, he's willing to push it. You know, like he he's actually kind of a tough guy as well. Like he'll shoot out, but there's the uh, lawyer character as well, who's like the surprise, almost kind of crime boss at the end, uh, who's trying to pull all the different mobs together and make one big crime syndicate. I, I'll admit, I, I kind of I knew that was supposed to be a big reveal, and I just completely like both times I watched it. Even though the second time I knew, I was waiting for it. And I was, I don't know who this guy is. I'm yeah, I know. Yeah, same thing. Because he's only in the movie beforehand. He's only in the movie for like two minutes. Like he's just there. He's he's the smarmy lawyer character that you see in a lot of these kind of films in the genre, who are the establishment getting the criminals off, and that's all he does in the like the two minutes he's on screen. And then he comes back in the end, and it's like, that's that lawyer guy. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's... Oh, okay, yeah, I remember him. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah all right. Legally, I don't know. Maybe I didn't need to watch it again just to, like, look for him a third time. I don't know. No, it, it is supposed to be a big moment, and it's very clear from the way they shot it. It's shot very well. It's supposed to be a big moment, but it's still just... Like, I don't I don't get it at all. They didn't need him to do... Is. They didn't need him to be that. Um, like, he should have well, been... You don't need- you don't need half the plot in this. I mean, that's the. I mean, I think that's the thing. Like, we keep, even though we're kind of praising it for sort of like, oh, it kind of it does the thing that it feels like it has to do, but it keeps it moving. Like, all you need is like scenes of these, you know, racketeers kind of going in and breaking stuff, and then maybe one meeting with a big boss and like looking menacing and and kind of, I mean, you know, it's it's just it's sort of uh, there's a lot of stuff that just feels like it's there. You kind of watch it, you're kind of nodding along, and then it just kind of. That's the thing I think with this film; it just kind of leaves my head. Like the second I'm done watching, yeah, it, just, you know, yeah. I'm well, done. You know, it's that, that, that lawyer character, like that's just unnecessary fluff that shouldn't have been like the end of the film. He just shouldn't have been the stereotypical corrupt lawyer who's getting the criminals off, and that's it. It's done. End, end yeah. of his end of his scene. He doesn't need to show up again because the smarmy, if slightly effete kind of, you know, American guy who's running this whole thing, or is he English? Or Amer- I don't know. He's, he's foreign uh, he's, anyway. He's but foreign. but uh, he's the guy. He's the guy who's supposed to be pulling all the I mobs mean, don't together. They, don't they make the point that the, the guys, the people who are, you know, breaking shit, like they're, they're supposed to not be from around here either? Yeah, like, they're they're all they're all pulled from different places, I guess. Yeah, like, I mean, which is which is I mean, which is again, just kind of one of those details where it's very it's very xenophobic in that way. You yeah, know? I I don't know if that was kind of a thing in Italy at this time, whether you know they kind of felt 
like if that was kind of a cultural thing where there was kind of a you know xenophobic kind of vibe going on i don't know it does feel kind of weird because if anything from seeing other italian films it feels like it should have just been you know italian-based criminals in cahoots with the uh the government and the corrupt politicians who are you know like the mafia or something like i mean it would have been very easy so so and that's kind of one of those details where it feels like i mean you're you're literally saying there's just like foreign influence coming in and like poisoning our our good you know honest hard-working people and um I don't know. Do you think they're kind of coded as hippies? Like, do you do you process it that way? They're yeah, they are. They're, they're very much so. Like in like the Manson type hippie. Cult yeah, kind of I mean, thing, right? I mean, like, the scare. I mean, they're not they're not like you know patchouli eating you know, yeah. like, you know tie dye or anything like that. But I mean, you, you get like there is this sort of sense of Fabio Testi as this kind of straight laced you know kind of guy. Oh yeah, no, it's it's very. Uh, and then you get kind of the dirty hippies, you know. Who are, yeah, no, it goes it goes towards that that fascist reading of it where it's Fabio Testi's the authoritarian establishment character against these, not necessarily socialists, but you know, like rebel. I mean, characters. it's, 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 it's almost a sort of thing to where like, I want to see them film from their perspective, you know, what are they doing? Right. <laughs> yeah. but, like, you know, and it really turns out that like, Oh, these shop owners, they were, you know, being like really corrupt and, you know, yeah. they had cheated their way through to, to get to this point of position where they could do this thing. And it really, they were the good guys all along, but they had to like make some deal for like material support with the, uh, the crime boss. Like that's a, that's a fucking amazing. I'd love to see that version. Of the film, yeah. um, um, and everybody dies at the end. Yeah. I, I will say, I do like that this film doesn't uh, pull any punches. Like the female gang member gets kicked in the crotch at one point. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it definitely, it's not, it's not precious about that at all, which is, yeah. I mean, you know, but it doesn't, I mean, you know, despite the fact that you've got two massive rapes in the in the film, uh, when it, the treatment of that character, she's not treated as like more evil or less evil than the, than the male yeah. and she dies the same way the rest of them do, you know, so it, it neither kind of treats her as a sort of precious, no, well, she's a woman, so she doesn't you know, have to suffer in the same way or she can't be as evil, but neither does it kind of make her more evil or does it like give her a, like a more drawn out painful death or anything like that. You know, so, yeah. Um, I, I did like her death though. Like it was just kind of funny. Like it called back, this gang goes around basically beating up the local criminals as well. Like that, that club owner who was, I guess he's basically the, <laughs> the mafia in the area. Like as far yeah. as that goes, you know, and then he come, he gets to get his comeuppance in the end, where he's got the fucking metal brace around his neck and shit, and deflects the bullets. <laughs> yeah, bullets cannot harm mozzarella. Yeah, unless, actually, unless it's shot into your crotch from the floor below. Yeah. Floor. Well, I actually was. Um, I, I rewatched this this afternoon uh, or this evening right before we started recording, and uh, I had a couple of friends over who we were just kind of hanging out, and we weren't. The thing is, I rewatched it just to kind of get a sense of it more so than like. But I was sitting and I was just kind of rewatching it in low volume, and I was kind of explaining the plot to them as they because we're all kind of talking. It's like, oh, what's happening now? Oh, this is a guy. He's uh, kind of in the thing. He's doing the, you know. And then you kind of realize like I don't quite know what's going on exactly. Hold on, hold on, like, yeah. I can give you, I can give you the the the, the quick pieces. But um, this girl was watching, and she's so. Why is this guy immune to bullets? Is he wearing a bulletproof vest? And I went, no, it's just 
bullets don't harm mozzarella. And then, like, when he dies a second later, when he's getting shot from the, from below, she's like, no, no, no. It's just that the uh, she was shooting girl bullets, and girl bullets can't harm him. You know? <laughs> And I'm like, you know, there that is that is probably an appropriate reading, you know. There is a definite gender imbalance here. Well, he's got to get his revenge because she kicked the shit out of her earlier on. He kicked, she kicked the shit out of him earlier on in the film. Right, right, yeah. No, I mean, it's just a bullet's doing a harm mozzarella, and then like three seconds later, he's uh, dead from a gunshot. But no, 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 the girl, the girl bullets can't the girl hurt bullets. Him, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's great. <laughs> One other trivia note I'll, I'll mention on this. Okay, what what version of this film did you listen? Did, did you listen to an English dub version of this? Oh, is there an Italian version? There's there is somewhere, but okay. not on the DVDs. The, so so I um, <laughs> I actually paid for this. I, I uh, there's a um, if you have, if you're an Amazon Prime member, which I am. There's a uh, thing you can buy. It's called the Full Moon Channel. It has a bunch of what looked to be really shitty erotic films, which, you know, I, I, oh, I no, always... Oh, no, Full Moon. Full Moon. That, that's Full Moon Pictures. Yeah. So they have the rights yeah. to this. Okay. For for like seven bucks a month, you can you can get a subscription yeah. and get access to a big, big catalog. And both Revolver and um, the Big Racket. I keep wanting to call it the Big Gun Down. <laughs> because... <laughs> Anyway, it's fine. Um, the big racket and a revolver are both on it. So and I, yeah, I'll spend seven bucks and like have it for a month. There's a lot of cool shit on it. So um, I'm I'm hoping to uh, watch some other stuff and, and kind of chat about it. There's a, <laughs> Famalian and Famalian Two are on there. Yeah, so, um, okay, yeah, a, yeah. Full Moon has a lot of interesting stuff. They've, they've, they've got a lot of interesting thing. stuff. There's a lot of exploitation stuff. So um, anything in Full Moon, we can definitely because I I now. I mean, I'm paying for it, so you know. Um, okay. but yeah, no. So whatever version was available for free, or so for, so it, it was English dubbed. The one you watched, it's, right? It's English dubbed. Yeah. So you had the uh, censored English dubbing that we all get, where instead of saying shit, they say dung. Instead of saying bastard, they say basket. They were saying basket a lot. Yes. No. And I well, what the fuck are you? Like, I thought there was some like. There was some subtlety of like I had missed no, like, the basket it's with just, some, you know. No, it's, it's uh, just it's yeah. just censored for the English market, is what mm-hmm. it is. You, let's let's burn these baskets. <laughs> Stop that makes a lot more dung. sense. I, I I literally just stopped thinking about it after a while and just kind of let the film flow over. <laughs> yeah, me. no, <laughs> it, it still it still works. It, it's funny. It, it it's it's kind of like I, I don't know if you've seen Repo Man from the eighties, but I have. Uh, yeah, have you ever seen the TV version? I've never seen the TV version. I've only the seen the TV version is like edited in that way where the swear words are changed to something else. And it's, Oh, there's a lot of that stuff in the in the in the you know, I grew up yeah, on but, I mean, I grew up watching Re- shit on like TBS and whatever. But Repo Man is a great example of that. And when and, and eventually if we cover Repo Man, we will talk about that because the the 80s version you saw in A&E with the censored, uh, redone uh, <laughs> fucking square words is amazing. The TV version of Repo Man is fucking amazing. <laughs> well, let's do Repo Man and make sure we do the TV version of Repo Man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be down for that. But yeah, uh, I... Yeah. Yeah, just to you know, finish off, I, I really like this film. I think it's one of Castellari's best films. I mean, he just he brings all of his techniques together here, and it works mm-hmm. really well. And, I mean, you know, apart from the fact that 
it could use more depth. I mean, they, they could have used the run, the long running time to explore characters a bit more. Fuck it. I mean, it it's still a really good. There's just, there's definitely there's definitely a turn your brain off. Don't think too hard about this. Yeah. Just kind of sit and enjoy it. Kind of aspect of this that is. Uh, I mean, I was. I think for me the big surprising thing was just how brutal it was. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's it's brutal. In a in a positive way, it's definitely enjoyable on that level. If you want to watch this sort of like very, it's willing to go there. It doesn't wallow in the brutality, but it's definitely willing to kind of go there. I wish there yeah. was a little bit more of a story behind it, a little bit more of a kind of a character focus on it. If you're gonna, if you're going to kind of justify that, mm-hmm. but um, this is definitely not like a generic Italian crime film. You know, it definitely, yeah. it feels yeah. like, Oh, this is one that really, somebody is behind this, like really trying to do their, really trying to do something interesting here. It's low budget. It looks really good for it being low budget. It's interesting for it. Just kind of like not quite having a full sense of its ideals. Enjoyable, worth checking yeah. out, get the full moon subscription and then uh, you can watch it for free. You can actually watch this on YouTube as well. This is one that is on YouTube. I should have looked for it there. <laughs> yeah, uh, DVD info. Best way to get this is Blue Underground. They have a Region Zero DVD. I don't think there's any Blu-ray options for this one at the moment, so you're going to stick with that. Uh, I also mentioned that the uh, score from uh, Guido DeAngelis and uh, Maruzio uh, DeAngelis, I'm probably totally butchering that guy's name, but uh, it's really good, too. It's got kind of, uh, like, let's face it, a lot of people were kind of ripping off Morricone at this point, but uh, it's really good. Like, this really sort of pounding rock score to everything is... Yeah, this it, doesn't this doesn't like scream Morricone rip off to me, but it, it's 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 a good score. I like it. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't say it's a rip off. It's in a similar vein, but it's it's really good. And and these guys have done a lot of movies. Uh, I think actually we'll probably end up doing a couple more movies of the crime genre that they did the score for. So it'll be a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, Daniel, where can people find you on the interwebs? You can go to oldspaceman.libson.com. You can get a big back catalog of a bunch of podcasts I work on. I've got a new episode. It probably will be out by the time this airs, but uh, very soon there's a new episode of the Wrong With Authority podcast, which I have recorded and need to edit. Um, that's going to go up as soon as I have time to edit it. Hopefully I'll, I'll get some of that done tomorrow. And uh, this next episode that's going up is going to be about a beautiful mind in the imitation game. So Ooh. it's about, it's about, um, and wow, that was a fun episode to record. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, two films about uh, mental illness, uh, mathematics, and male homosexuality. So um, <laughs> definitely worth uh, worth checking out that when I get that up, and uh, hopefully uh, it won't be up by the time this podcast goes up. But it'll, the next episode it will definitely be up. So uh, right on, yeah, check that out when I get it up. Um, and uh, you, you can find me on Twitter at Daniel Lee Harper if you're. Yeah, were you gonna make a get it up joke? Because I, I was, but joke. you should. It, you should. It's too late. Because now. I, I do. I do. I, I have reached that age where I have, a, you know, I'm in my 30s now, and I'm not. I'm not 19 anymore, and uh, you know, it's fair. Somehow the blood still flows for me. I don't know what's going on, yeah. but um, yeah. So and yet TMB, you drink more than I do. So, I do. You know. I don't know what the hell's going on. Apparently, I'm abusing my body. Because I should be, I should not be doing these things to my body, where I should just be this sexual god. But fuck it, I don't give a fuck. TMB dos That's the best place to find us. You'll find our 
links to iTunes, YouTube, and our Facebook group. Join our Facebook group. They must be destroyed on site on Facebook. There's the best place to get in touch with us, leave comments, questions, suggestions for movies you want to see us do. And uh, we respond to that uh, pretty well. I think we have a pretty good track record responding to that. So uh, uh, yeah. no, you, you have a great track record. I, I respond occasionally. Um, yeah, and particularly <laughs> if you've got any like crime films you want us to cover, we've yes. got a bunch of slots to fill. So yes. if there is a movie that is vaguely related to crime that you would really like to see us cover, particularly if it is very easy to find for free <laughs> on YouTube <laughs> or in some other um, you know, location, <laughs> That is that is illicit or not? Please let us know, because um, we'll we'll pretty much watch anything at this point, you know. Definitely, yeah. We're dancing monkeys for our audience. Pretty so, much, pretty yeah. much. But yeah, you know, I, I if anyone's followed this podcast long enough now, now you know what we do. You, you know, we yeah. this kind of shit we like. So, you know, if you got some obscure fucking crime film from the 1930s you want to see us do that no one else fucking does, fucking throw it at us because that is the shit we will jump on like yeah. hardcore. Um, brilliant, brilliant, but forgotten is one of my favorite kind of things to get to watch. Quite mm-hmm. honestly. You know? And then I get to like shout it from the rooftops and go, Hangover yeah. Square is brilliant. Go watch Hangover Square. Exactly. By the way, go watch Hangover Square. That's one of the biggest joys of this is to like find films that are really great and just talk about it and try to promote them. Yeah. Even even to the small degree that this podcast even to the can four do. people that are listening. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Our perfect timing, man. Like. Yeah, perfect timing. I, I, I really hope that at least a couple people checked out perfect perfect timing after we talked about it. It would be right. so cool to hear anyone say that they checked it out and liked it. The, the, the best feeling in the world. I had I had a friend talking about where they had gone to Canada, and they were like, yeah, there's this really interesting like fetish scene in Montreal, and I wanted to go, perfect timing. I wanted to show you this music video and go... I guarantee you, this is exactly what the fetish scene in 1984. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, uh, if if you subscribe to us on iTunes, please leave a rating, a five star rating, if you so desire. That's what we prefer. And if you leave a review on iTunes, please tell us. Please send us a message some way preferably on the Facebook group, saying you left a five-star review or three-star review or one-star review. <clears throat> fucking hate us. Either way, fucking tell us you left a review so I can change the region on iTunes and find it because if you're from America, I have to change the region coding and that's the only way I can see your fucking review. But uh, that kind of helps the podcast a lot. And if you see other reviews on iTunes, under it, it'll say, was this review helpful? Click Yes. Because apparently that helps the podcast as well. And, I mean, our goal here is not to make money. Our goal is to expand the podcast and spread it out to people and have more people listen to us. If our goal was to make money, we're doing this really badly. Oh, yeah, we're doing terrible. Uh, all, this is all about people listening to us and giving us feedback and talking to those people and talking more about movies. That's the whole fucking goal of this. And... If you subscribe to us on iTunes and pimp us out, that will help us a great deal, and we definitely appreciate it if you want to do that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, But until next week, uh, we're going to be doing Revolver next week, and then who knows what the fuck we're going to do. The sky's the fucking limit, because we've got so many episodes to fill now with shit until we get to episode 100. So, uh, Daniel, thank you for joining me. 
Thanks for having me once again. We're going to get to episode 100, and you're going to shit-can my ass. I know that's what's going to happen. Get like 100 episodes, that's enough. It's over. It, it depends on what you bring to the Night of the Living Dead commentary. Oh, I have things to bring to the Night of the Living you gotta bring your, you got to bring your egg game. You bring your egg game, you're still hired. You'll still get you. with, with you and Paul on that as well. I don't, I don't, know, how, I don't know how I'm going to ever be able to uh, hey, match hey, up you guys. Hey, listen, man. If, if you bring your A game, you'll get that Dollar Shave Club fucking money. You'll you'll get that Blue Apron money. Uh, but 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 yeah. Uh... <laughs> We've tried to end this like four times now. It's over. It's over. We're done. Yeah. Good night, guys. Thank Nobody's you for listening. listening. It's over. No, everybody's listening. Five minutes. Goodbye. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Site. For past episodes, links to the host's other stuff, and links to various podcasts and websites of similar interest, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. There you can also find our iTunes, YouTube, and Facebook links. Please join our Facebook group, as this is the best way to get in contact with us and to keep up to date with what's coming up on the podcast. We also can be found as part of the Oi Spaceman family of podcasts at oispaceman.com, where you can find various sci-fi-themed podcasts about Doctor Who, Red Dwarf, Firefly, and classic sci-fi novels. If you decide to subscribe to us through iTunes, please take a moment to leave us a star rating and a review. Thank you. Drive through.